welcome back to Bricks and Clicks. Joining your hosts, Johnny Valoria and Colin Davidson, two of the partners over at Omnium, a CPG consultancy. They are a couple of mathematicians. If you haven't clued in from any of the other episodes, especially some of the ones where they get super, super analytical, go back, listen to them, learn what they do. They're here and I'm back in the booth. I'm Lucas Walker joining Johnny and Colin. Thank you so much for having me back to your show. Lucas, it's great to hear your voice. I'm not going to lie. It always warms my heart and warms my ear. So it's good to have you back in the booth and kicking things off today with another episode of Bricks and Clicks. My pleasure. And I'm excited to, to dig into this one. But as I build up my business, I'm always trying to, to get better at, at hiring and, and finding talent. I've done some stuff in the, the tech industry, so I, I tend to take after that. But candidly, I always learn a, a lot from, from you two, especially Colin. So I'm excited to dig into how you recruit some of your philosophies to managing the your talent as well once you you get them on board yeah thanks lucas it's really it's really difficult to find the talented people in this industry that we're in especially that analytical talent so when you're yeah. trying to hand hire just like sales analysts or, or marketing analysts or customer support analysts we hear from our clients all the time they're asking us like hey do you know anybody uh, they're trying to recruit a position and they can't find the right person so this is a pretty widespread problem that we're seeing. Yeah, where are all the analysts? It's It seems like it's really accelerated in the last year and a half or so where we're getting pinged, like Colin said, nonstop for open analyst roles. And do we know anyone who could help fill it? Yeah, it's just talents, the, the analytical talents not coming into the CPG world right now. So would you agree with that, Colin? Absolutely, yeah. So we we're talking about some root causes of this. Like why, why is there no analytical talent here? There's a bunch of people in school. There's smart kids everywhere. And why can't we in the CPG world seem to find them. And so there's a couple of reasons for this, at least that we believe are the are reasons for this. The biggest one that we see, and we're kind of borrowing this from some of our mentors who have been in the industry longer and could give us the, the history going back 20, 30 years. But the root cause that what we believe it is, is that kids from college, they just don't know the CPG industry exists. And that's, I mean, it sounds crazy to say, because they're obviously buying groceries. They're walking the grocery store. Right? And I was the same way. Like, I didn't realize that there was a name for this industry and that it was an industry that you could go towards. Yeah, was, I didn't think about that either. And it's, I, I guess it's almost like thinking of it like, like retail and working for a brand, but maybe because it's so many commodities, I know that there's, there are fair trade bananas now and there's different angles to approach some things, but I feel like you just think groceries and, and CPG is just, where does it really come from? You don't even think about the industry that comes behind it. But no one's, no kids are being like, I want to go work in bananas. Yeah. I'm going to go work in fair trade bananas. Like, I don't yeah. think that's a sense that's ever been said by a kid coming out of college. It's also, you take the grocery store for granted, right? I mean, we all grew up going to the grocery store when we were, as soon as we were one or two years old, right? Like I bring Thomas to it. And so we just take it for granted and it's not very exciting, right? Unless you really dive into it and it's not in the news, right? Everything here is about tech and what's going on there or finance and wall street. I mean, those are pretty exciting and a lot of newsworthy events happening in those industries. And so it probably just draws people towards it. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's another problem too, and speaking from experience where like when we go and recruit at Berkeley, we go to the Berkeley career fairs for STEM degrees, science, technology, engineering, and math. And there are hundreds of companies lined up, right? All the gymnasiums are full companies after companies full of students walking up and down the aisles. And I don't think we see a single CPG company there. I, I can't remember seeing a CPG company there. It's all, like I said, tech, 
finance, I mean, government's there, pretty much every industry except CPG is there. And so I think yeah. that's probably also the problem related to what Colin's saying is where people just don't know about it. There's no brand awareness for the CPG industry in these high analytical STEM fields for graduating students. I think that's also a big problem. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not a sexy field. Like you've yeah. been in the grocery store, you probably, your experience in the grocery store was walking it with your mom or dad begrudgingly when you were a little kid sitting in a car just waiting to get out. It's it's not sexy. Whereas, yeah, going to work for a tech company or, or finance or a fintech company, right? That's, that's the new hotness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then one other problem that I've noticed is that the skills, so like you're looking for a specific person for this analytical role and that person typically ends up wearing a lot of hats. So you need to be able to do, you need to be able to have analytical chops. You need to be good at Excel. Often you need to be able to interface with like a sales team. And so there's a lot of skills that are required for someone to be highly competent in that role. And as you start listing out the things you want from the person sitting in that seat, very quickly, you could eliminate this entry-level yeah. talent from your search. So now yeah. you're only looking for analysts who are established in the industry. And so your pool of people to draw from just got way smaller. And if you want someone who's experienced to come into an entry-level role, they've probably got other options. They don't need yeah. to come and, and, and do that entry-level work for you. They'll go somewhere else. Yeah, it's, it's all, I mean, it's very easy when you start going down that list to start ruling out everyone. And if you have to go into the different mindset and that's how we handle it, Omnium, right? When we go and recruit, it's a very different perspective. And Colin, why don't you take us through how we think about recruiting, how we handle interns and what, what does that process look like? Yeah. So I think we can pretty concisely sum up our strategy for recruiting and it's that we recruit talent from STEM fields as opposed to recruiting specific skills or existing skill sets. We want to get the smart kids who know some math or math adjacent field, who have the background knowledge to be able to do the things that we need them to do, but not any of the domain-specific knowledge. Because you can train domain-specific knowledge. You can teach someone how to write better emails. You can teach them how to do the analytics you want them to do if they have some base level of talent and understanding. I can't train someone to be better at math and to be able to think about things from a more kind of mathy background. Yeah, and they have a, also I would say, they like to solve problems. They have that innate yeah. curiosity where you give them a question or a challenge and they're gonna try and solve it, right? They're gonna go off in the corner, think about it for a while, using all the techniques that they've learned in their schooling, right? How to attack problems, how to think about them, how to visualize them and apply it to a CPG problem. Because that's kind of the, the crazy part is the CPG industry is fascinating. I mean, there are so many problems to solve. Every one of us, everyone listening, uh, everyone's downloaded it, has faced some question every day that analytics can help with. It just every, it's endless, right? And the data we have is incredibly robust. That's the other big thing that I think when we start working with these students is they're amazed with data sets, how robust it is. And then the modeling that you can do on top of it. So it's like an awesome industry for these people. They just don't know about it. So and this, sorry, continue on yeah, with the, what you're saying, Colin. No, yeah, that's what, the approach that we take of like, just hire the talent and train the skills. You've heard us say this before. We don't like inventing wheels where wheels don't need to be invented. And so we yeah. actually borrowed this, this model or might've kind of independently arrived at it, but from division one sports yeah. in the US. So if you're recruiting talent for a college sports team, you're not trying to find the player who is like the best basketball player at this moment. Often what these recruiters are doing is they're trying to find the most athletic students that they can who excel in many different sports, and then they'll train them on the basketball stuff. So they might, I mean, they probably play basketball, but they might not be just a basketball player. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. The analogy I like kind of related to that is one step up. If you think about professional sports and their drafting, there's always an age old debate in the draft room that we hear about draft for need or draft for talent. Mm. And what I've seen is the teams that draft for need usually end up making mistakes and missing out on those generational players or players who can mm. quickly become the, the superstar of your team, which is drafting for talent. And so that's, that's how I sum it up kind of related to what Colin's saying, where so let's get the best talent, the athletes, people who can really work and solve problems and put them in the right place to succeed, put them in the right position to succeed. How does a firm who yeah. maybe does not have a recruiting pipeline or a talent pipeline, like how do you even step into that? world of trying to find these talented kids. Yeah, it could be intimidating for sure. Right. I mean, it's, it was intimidating for us when we first started going in and saying, sitting up at those booths and being Omnium, putting it up there and having our cliff bars or whatever out there on display to trying to attract talent. And, but I think once you realize you get set up in that spot and you go to the location where the kids are, they're all looking for jobs. They want a mm -hmm. job. They're looking for jobs and they're going to talk to you. And so that, I think that's a great first step is looking at career fairs at your local university. It's always a good spot, right? Wherever your headquarters are, go to the top couple top or the top university in the area and set up at a career fair, go to the STEM fairs, get up the booth going and, and start talking to students. That's, that's to me the first step. Yeah. I think you mentioned something there in passing, but like going to the, the more respected universities in your area that are going to draw in those types of students that you want, right? The, the more talented students, what are the universities they're going to be looking at and or what are the programs, right? Which ones have those strong STEM programs? Those schools are just going to have a better pool of people to pull from. Yeah. Increases your chances. And I think it's yeah. important to me, the big difference is the STEM going to the STEM career fair. Cause a lot of times we have seen some of the CPG companies we work with and when they're going to recruit affairs, they're going to the business schools or things like that which is fine if you're looking for a specific talent, but the stuff people that we're talking about is you got to go to the STEM fields, go there, set up camp and start talking to those students and letting them know about the interesting problems they can work on. So that's yeah. the first step. The thing we sometimes say is it's, it's much easier to teach a talented STEM student, the business side of things that they would need to know much easier than taking a really talented business student and trying to teach them to do analytics. What do you say then, Johnny, to if you're trying to maybe convince someone to get a talent pipeline going and they say, you know, I don't, I don't have time for this. And even if we had students, we don't really have the time and resources to train them. Yeah. The first thing is how I would set that up is make sure you're going to set up your cohort, you set up your intern program. And I would do as a cohort. And when I say that, I mean, you want to have at least two people, two interns coming in at the same time so that they can work together. So you can say, hey, this is my summer cohort for 2022, and I'm gonna have at least two interns no matter what. And why I say that is that allows them to work together. So say you're really busy or their manager or the intern mentor is really busy for this week because they're off traveling, they got trade shows, they're meeting with customers, and they don't have the time to answer questions that the interns might have. If there's at least multiple interns, they can talk to each other because they're going through it together and it allows them to shoot ideas off back and forth, brainstorm ideas and see where things go. And that allows them to take the burden off of you or the manager. That's the first rule is at least have to have at least two interns in each cohort. That'll help manage some of the workload. The second piece is we advise having some sort of structure in place for say their three month internship or the four month internship. And why I say that is you don't want the interns to constantly have to come to you to know what's next. If you can lay it out and map out, Hey, this is what your 13 weeks is going to look like. Then they have an idea of what they're working towards. And if they finish up one task, then they can go on to the next task. And so how that usually works for us at Omnium is it's a training program for the first six weeks, right? Call it six weeks training program. Four, I think we got it. I think we've got it down to four weeks. Four. We really tightened it up. Yeah. 
Nice. So four week training program where it's well-defined, right? And the interns are working through and learning all the things they need to know. And they can just start working through the booklet, the training guide. Like we have a training guide that they work through. And so if they can't reach out to Colin or their manager, they can just go on to the next chapter and take a stab, probably mess it up and have a lot of questions, but at least they can start thinking about it, reading ahead. So that's important. Yeah. And then like one other way to, to make it less of a time burden for one person is to get the team involved. So you don't need one person training an intern on everything. You might say like, you're going to learn this piece from this person and you're going to learn this other piece from this other person. And now you've really distributed that work over a few people who don't need to commit as much time individually. Yeah. And you get different perspectives as well. Because if it's one person the whole time, then you're just more susceptible to, to blind spots or you are thinking, oh, they're, they're great because they do the one thing that you really care about better than anyone else that you've ever seen. And they just don't know how to talk to salespeople. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So my experience when I was first in this industry learning, Johnny was actually the person who was directing my training, but not directly training me. And so the way that it worked is Johnny said, hey, there's these three things I need you to learn and kind of here are the type of analysis we do. And then my job was to within the company was to go find someone who had worked on that or who was working on that and start asking them questions and reproducing some existing work so that it became like a little case study, like, OK, here's a question. I'm going to go answer it. I'm going to kind of follow the path laid out by this person and then ask them questions along the way. And for a lot of people, that's a really great way to learn, right? You get to reproduce some work think about it along the way. And in the end, you feel like how to do that when the question comes up again. And for the record, those three things that Colin said way back when, or that I told Colin were sales controllables, distribution, pricing, and promotion. So hasn't changed in 10 years or however long it's been. Yeah. Our training, if that was the training manual, I remember having a post-it note that had yeah. some, some notes on it. And basically the Omnium training manual has started with that yeah. and over many years gotten to be a much larger manual with more detail. But the point is like, you need some structure. Like Johnny said, you need to know what the structure is. You don't need like a 50 page training manual or anything yeah. like that. You just need to know what the steps are so you can communicate it, which is what Johnny was talking about earlier. And the other piece that we find helpful in an internship program over 13 weeks or what have you is have a project, have the intern work on a project that should be their number one priority over the 13 weeks is at the end, they can present out a project that they've worked on, that they led was self-directed, that they wrote up, built the PowerPoint, did the analysis, whatever that is, they own that project. And that's when they can look back and say, Hey, over my summer intern, I did this project and here it is, it's documented. So then they can look to a point to it percent and make that the goal. Don't make the goal. Hey, they helped with our workload, right? I think that's a mistake also that people make with internship programs is they're counting on them to help manage workload, help manage the day-to-day. -day. And to me, that's not the right priority. The priority is to have them develop and do their own project. Now, the reason I say that is interning is a way to recruit, right? If we go back to the beginning of this pod, we we're talking about there's not enough talent to come in. We're trying to find those full-time analysts. And so interns allow you to work with people, work with students and see if they're a good fit both ways, right? See if you want to work with them as a full-time analyst or if they want to work with you. And in our experience, a project gives us the best sense of if that's going to be a good fit or not, right? Because it allows them to, to work on something on their own, communicate, run some analytics, do all of that in, in one nice and tidy 13-week project. That's a really important step. Yeah. Yeah. And so then the, like the workload, if you get really talented intern, yeah. they might help with workload. And that's an yeah. awesome bonus. Yeah. And that's just kind of, that's the icing on the cake. You got a really good one. You got work, quality work out of them in that 13 week period. And then, you know, Hey, this is someone that I would like to hire. 
you've done a good job of nurturing them and creating this environment of learning, then they're really going to want to keep working for you too. Mm -hmm. like if you showed, I care, like I care about you, I care about developing your skills, learning new stuff. Why wouldn't they want to stay? Okay. Now they've learned about the industry. Yeah. They know the industry exists. You've created this environment for them. If you do it right, you're going to get a lot of, a lot of hires, right? You're going to be able to hire those positions from your own program that you could not have hired externally or been very difficult to hire externally for. It's uh, speaking, this one, we can certainly speak from experience, but when you have an intern that you really like, it's a really good fit. You're really impressed. They go back to school for their senior year and then it's time for them to graduate. They reach out to you because they like the work and they want to work full time for you. And if you have the spot, you're trying to fill that analyst role and it's a great fit, you hire them. It's an amazing feeling because when they start on day one, they can already start working because they've gone to the training. They know the people, they know the industry, they know the brand, and they're ready to go. And that is like, it's just an awesome experience to go through that. And you have the confidence and trust because you know what they're like, right? You know what it's like working with them. And so you feel good about that hire as well. So that's really the goal, right? These interns lead to full-time analysts, which is a big accomplishment and really helps your organization. Yeah. One of the pieces I want to add is make sure you pay your interns. Yes. I think some people think yeah. that interns are free and we are completely against that. So pay them, pay them well. Give them a good uh, salary or wage or however you're doing your, your compensation, but you definitely got to pay them. That's, that's also incredibly important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that wraps up how Colin and I, but really how Omnium, how we think about interns, every full-time hire that we have goes through the internship program. That's the only way we recruit and it's worked out really well for us. And we're happy to talk to any hiring managers out there who are looking or thinking about interns. We can give some advice and any students out there who are thinking about applying reach out to us at omniumcpg.com. We always have intern classes rotating throughout the year. So does that answer your question, Lucas? Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Good. That's great. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to do a different career path, maybe we can have the, the dirty Nell come on and, and talk about playing music for a career. But for now, they're playing us out, which means it's time to go. So give a subscribe on Apple, give a follow on Spotify and don't forget your Oreos. Thanks, Lucas. <laughs>